Welcome to Do It For The Gram and Enneagram podcast with your host, certified Enneagram coach, Milton Stewart, where we do it for the Enneagram, not Instagram. We make moves to improve our lives and those in our community. I am super excited today because we are on a new series called Global Enneagram Series. In this series, I'm going to actually bring to you wonderful, amazing people from around the world who are working with the Enneagram, using the Enneagram in their inner lives and doing inner work. And they are doing a fantastic job because the Enneagram is not just in America. It is worldwide and it's impacting people all over the globe. And I wanted to really bring that into this show with this series. And so I'm super excited, not just because I'm excited, I'm a seven, but I am on this episode with another seven. It is about to be electrifying. to announce my new partnership with BetterHelp. This episode is actually sponsored by BetterHelp. If you are struggling, BetterHelp can help. You'll receive 10% off the first month when you sign on using betterhelp.com forward slash do it. So I'm super excited uh, about this partnership that me and BetterHelp have um, entered into because in this point where everything that we're doing right now to connect with people is more virtual, it is so important, mental health. I think that aligns perfectly with things that we're trying to do, things that I want to do, and um, anybody that I would refer or think that could be potentially beneficial to the audience. And I think BetterHelp is definitely one of them. BetterHelp is basically, it's online counseling or therapy. So you're able to actually get some counseling or therapy uh, depending on what's going on from licensed counselors and therapists around the country. And um, you get to be able to get some of that one-on-one mental checkup that you may need and BetterHelp's able to help you. So just go to betterhelp.com forward slash do it and you'll get a 10% discount for your first month. I met this amazing person on a seven panel and she is incredible. And so I'm going to allow her to introduce herself. Hello. Hi, Milton. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. I'm so glad that you asked me to be on your podcast. It's so very sevenly exciting <laughs> to be here with you, fellow self-prez seven. So for me, I'm a woman, as you can tell. My name is Marcella. I'm from Italy originally, but I'm calling in from Switzerland where I've been living for the past 18-ish years uh, in the French part. So my daily language, French, uh, but I work in English and I speak to my children in Italian. So, and that's very Swiss, I have to say, where the official languages are four. The fourth one is a funny language of the mountains, but everybody just swaps from one or two or three, but they don't have um, English, mostly in German. Anyway, I have three children, adult-ish, young adults, and I work as a recruitment and admissions advisor for a business school, a big business school uh, here in Lausanne. So originally I'm from Italy, I live in Switzerland, but I've traveled a lot during my youth, you know, three years here, two years there, um, one year here and another year there, until we finally arrived in Switzerland. It was like, no, 
I just I just want some roots now. So it's roots time. And my children actually have absolutely never traveled in terms of life experiences. I mean, apart from travel, touristing, they've only ever lived here in Switzerland. So it's a bit of a funny mix, but um, I'm hoping that you'll ask me more questions to uh, allow me to give you more details rather than me doing my elevator pitch CV <laughs> all in one. Yes, I love that. So we were talking a little bit before this episode, you had mentioned you have been among a lot of different cultures, like tons of different cultures. Can you kind of explain like partly how the Enneagram found you? And on the second half, on the back end of that, I want you to talk about how your self-praise and sevenness has helped you throughout your journey of the different cultures that you've been a part of? So how the Enneagram found me was a bit of a personal story. So a few years ago, I think about five years ago now, I separated from my husband and I think it was a dance or a do or something. I met somebody else. And this somebody else who is now my partner, five-year-old relationship, he's an Enneagram complete enthusiast, but not so much in, in in terms of studying it or you know or going in depth into it as much as the part that belongs to i don't know if you know about almas and the diamond approach that rid one school school so from the side of the holy ideas and how that influences you so of course when you do that then obviously you have to go back to the enneagram and you know and, and then study the system so he introduced me to that he's a six He's a counterphobic sexual six. And suddenly he was telling me things about himself. And I was like, oh my God. You know, I was completely fascinated yeah. as to how things corresponded completely to his character. And so I I just started reading up and he had some books lying about at home. And so, you know, you pick one book and then another book and then, you know, one thing follows the other one. And and then you start understanding about the subtypes and then you understand about the wings, you know, and then it just, you know, once that door is open and, you know, you walk through it, you can't go back nope. and, then, and you can't unsee, you know, suddenly you start seeing, oh my God, I understand what it means when people lead from the heart. You know, I, yesterday I had dinner, uh, I had some people over for dinner and it just resonated that that one of the people was such a was such a strong heart person. Just the language that they were using, the examples that they were giving, and so again, once you see, you just cannot unsee. And so I'm carrying on. And and, and as I told you before, I've signed up for a teacher training with a school, uh, an enneagram school uh, from the narrative tradition, based in South Africa. So so really, again, it's found me, and it's not <laughs> it's not letting up. I tell not you. even a little bit. Nope. Yeah, it's like it's it's attached. Uh, so that's how the Enneagram found me. And I would also like to add that some of the teachers are also quite inspiring. I mean, this afternoon I, I was listening to Sandra Maitri on on a four because I suspect one of my friends is fours, and I just wanted to go back and 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 hear what Sandra had to say. And and again, it it takes you. According to the each teacher takes you then at a different level. So there's this play of depth as well. So so for me, that's the beauty of the Enneagram as well, that you can take it at every level. So that's how the Enneagram found me. Um, how has it helped in my sort of two-part life? You know, the first part 
which was very chop and change every five minutes, you know, leave a country, move to another country. And then the last 18 years where I've never really moved. I mean, I moved once within this city. My address is Avenue de Cour, and the old address was number six, and I moved to number seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at that. How interesting is that? Okay. I just would tell you, you know, how, like, when I wanted roots, I got my roots. So, you know, I really didn't move. So the way I tell my story, the way I, I, I now tell it with the Enneagram lens is that when I was uh, traveling as a child, uh, being, being uh, moved, so to speak, I didn't have a say in it. Uh, with my, it was mostly my dad's job. So being moved from one country to the other, I, I interpret, let's say now with hindsight, that it was my self-prayers that really helped me through the, the, the few, certainly the few beginning months where it was really about constructing my little cocoon, you know, nesting myself in, uh, you know, wherever we ended up, we had a house, then trying to make my little corner, where are my toys, where are my things, you know, really trying to create that protection around me so that then I could go out first day of school, you know, make some friends. And again, if I use the Enneagram lens, maybe use that sexual instinct that would then come online. But it would come online at step two. You know, my first priority would be make sure that my surroundings are comfortable and welcoming for me. You know, that I have what I need, that I had my toys, I had my books. Also, we, I come from a big family. Uh, I'm one of five children. So that cocoon for me was very much making sure that, you know, our, my room with my sister was, was done up properly so, so that I could feel safe, really, basically. That, that was the most important thing. And so each time we moved, that's how I saw the thread. It was like the first thing was, how is my environment going to protect me? How is it, is it going to be safe and comfortable? And then go out. When 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 we then moved for our last move here in Switzerland, I think it was very much the same thing. At that point, I was very much the adult in charge. I mean, in my previous moves as an adult and not as a daughter, it, it was, still was the same driver. You know, whenever we moved, we went to Russia, for example, we moved to Germany or we moved to Belgium for short periods of time. Again, it was make sure the house is done. Make sure you know where the supermarkets are. Make sure the things that will that you will need, make sure you know where they are first and then go and explore. You know, when we lived in Moscow, for example, it was, it was in the early 90s. So there was not much English around. There was, there, people didn't speak that much English. The, the signs were not in English. But for me, and for me, again, I think there was a play of self praise with sexual because the sexual would push me to go, you know, find out where you get the sugar, where you get the bread, you know, where you get the right. milk, where you get the, the basic necessities. Even if you can't speak, you know, use your hands, whatever it is, but you need to get that. And, and once that is done, okay, fine. Then I'll learn the alphabet. Then I'll start speaking the language. You know, then I will, you know, meet the people. We then moved and that ended up being this long, 18-year-long year move. Again, it was very much about creating the safe space where us as a family could nest in, finding out how the system worked. You know, what do I need to know in order to live here? And who are the people that I need to know? And for me, that was not the social instinct. It was very much the, the self-press part. You know, the people are re my resources. 
what are the resources that I need to invest in? You know, who are the school teachers for the children? Who are the neighbors? Who are the, the people at the community center where I can put the kids for activities? You know, so it, sometimes I, I, I feel a little bit like strategic. And so that's how I saw myself pres in action. And now I think after 18 years, I'm, I mean, I'm still a self pres you know, as, as we joked also in the other podcast, um, all our self-pres, no matter what number, we all have the toilet paper already, you know. <laughs> Just, yeah, we ready. <laughs> we, we totally have. So although I still live like that, I also see that that stability of knowing my environment, of knowing where my, my resources are, of knowing where and how I, I, can, I interact with the environment, I think I'm seeing that is allowing that sexual instinct to come through a little bit more and a little bit more of the social that, you know, I would see people not now so much because I need, I need the network. It's like, I already have the network. I just right. like to have them over because, you know, I, I'm part of a community or, you know, I, I'm part of a communal garden. So we have meetings that are informal. So that's a little bit how I see. Does, does, does that resonate for you? Does that make sense in, in terms of the Enneagram theory? Because I still think I'm, despite the fact that I've now followed the Elegraph for five years, I still think I'm always new, you know? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's so much. And like you learn layers and layers and layers. When I learned about it starting like 12 years ago, layers and layers, you just keep growing and layers. Like, oh, my goodness, I did not know or see that about myself. Yeah. What I loved about what you were speaking about was how much you talked about the subtypes and the instinct of how we engage the world. Because I think a lot of times people don't know that much about instincts and subtypes. And so they look directly at the type structure and they don't realize how, I guess, primarily the instinct or subtype is acting before we even get to necessarily type structure. Yeah, I kind of went the other way around, didn't I? I? I'm so glad you said that because if people just think of generally as like, oh, a seven, they go to a new place, they're just going to go and venture out. no. Self-press seven, yeah. we are going to make sure we're comfortable first. Then we can go out and explore and do what we want. But yeah. we, it's like so important for us to have, like you call it, a nest. Something that we are like sure that can be comfortable, that we can be physically safe mm-hmm. uh, or feel comfortable and safe. It's like huge. And then get into like, okay, so... How do I explore after that? And then something else you mentioned, like we in social instances, like, you know, we seem like very sociable people, all these type of things because of our personality structure. But sometimes it's based on making sure we have the resources we need. (laughs) So it's like, it's not just (laughs) I'm looking to be a part of this group just because I love groups. No, no, not necessarily. It's more or less, okay, what resource can this provide for me or my, my close knit family? Yeah. So I love that you said that because that's a beautiful distinction, which I think a lot of people kind of miss. So I love that. Yeah. And you said, you know, how the, the instinct colors of personality. I am still a seven. You know, when I, when I hear it in, in, in Switzerland, you know, you, you can imagine, you know, beautiful uh, mountains, lakes, uh, you know, wonderful countryside. I still get all bubbly and excited and go mental, going, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I still have that part. And, um, and I still, this is one of the cities that I know best from my life experience. And I, you know, you get me to talk about Lausanne and I will never stop from the enthusiasm that I can show for the city. So I still have that 
that sevenness of the enthusiasm, the looking at things with with excitement and with wonder. And every morning I I, I work from home now. It's been a year. And we still are not going back to work, uh, at least not on a regular basis. And I started biking every day. Again, a little bit of self-pred, you know, taking care of my body, taking care of my health, the emotional health, because I spend all day at home. And every time I go, I go along the lake. And every morning, Milton, it is wondrous. For me, I, I live this as a seven quality, that that ability to to wonder, to wonder at the beauty of things, to be touched, but be touched in a in a happy way, in in that, oh my God, I'm so lucky, you know, it's so beautiful. And and that gives me happiness. It's it's not the foreness of you know that intensity, oh my God, the world is so beautiful, it hurts. It's not like that. It's it's an excitement. It's like, oh my God, you know, I can't believe it. So so for me, that's how I live the sevenness, but let's say the numbers, you know, without the subtype part. Right. It's kind of like me pre-pandemic when I would go to an airport and I'd be knowing that I'm about to travel somewhere and like have a, some fun experience. It's just like there is that, like you said, this electricity, this bubbliness. It's like, yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm about to go have some fun out here. About to go explore this place, you know. And at the same time, I'm like staying a little bit further from people if I see them cough. And this is pre-pandemic, you know, before I was like, mm, watch out, you I'm still doing those things, but another part of me is extremely excited to go explore. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a skill, if it's a seven thing, but I, I do like people as well. You know, it's not just the sort of resources. I mean, I recently read a book. I don't know if you know it called Quiet by Susan Cain. It's about introverts and extroverts. And I've also seen that I have a part that does like and I think I see it also as a bit self-pressed. You know, at the end of the day, if I'm exhausted, I really love staying at home and reading a book. I, I don't need, I don't, I don't feed off people, you know, off people's energy. However, when I am amongst people, I'm sensitive to that energy and I can and I can I can ride with them. You know, it's like if everybody's going silly, I'm right in there with them. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. mm-hmm. So I think I see that as a seven trait as well. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I, I'm I'm so the same way. I mean, I love relaxing at the house, being able to watch what I want to watch, lay on the bed, do something really comfortable. As you know, I probably have like a really nice blanket on me, which is a really nice material like like bamboo, cotton or like. You know, it's bamboo wool, I think is what it is. But like I have all the fabrics. I'm even like, how does it feel on my body type of self-prayers, right? Mm -hmm. And being able to just be myself and be around myself and be cool with that. You know, I don't have to go out. But like you said, I still, when I go out with groups and different people, I still can find this energy and this charge from them and, and be like, ooh, all right, here we go. It's game time. Let's have some fun, you know? So that is that interesting balance and that mix that I think yeah. is self-prayers sevens we have, which I think yeah. is beautiful. Yeah. Also, the, the other thing that I, that you made me think of is that ability to, well, already the, this podcast, I mean, you just launched an idea and I, without even thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, I'm on. <laughs> and, and <laughs> you did not give me a brief. You know, it was very little. Nope. It was like one paragraph, maybe one sentence. And <laughs> I'm like, yeah, totally. I'm on. That for me is a seven trait. Or the ability to run with an idea, like being three steps ahead already. 
And again, that head part, you know, thinking about it, mulling over it, it all happens in my head. At, at, at work, for example, I, I also run some webinars. So I would interview some of my colleagues um, as part of the marketing drive for one of our programs. And I don't do any prep work. Well, that's what people think. I don't do any prep work because there's nothing written. I don't have notes. I don't have a brief. I don't have, I don't write down my introduction, my middle and my ending. However, Milton, a week before I'm on the air, I've got it all in my head. You know, it's, it comes together. One piece sits here and then another piece here. And then, okay, I'll read the intro that I'll have on paper because I want it to be the same. And then I know that I'll, if I haven't said it, make sure that you say it at the, at the end because it might not be appropriate for them. But it, it's all happening. It just isn't written. And for me, that's a seven trait as well, that people don't see that I am working. I just don't show it because it, it's all mental. Oh, I love that. Because that, that is, I love the way you explain that. Because there is a preparation for sevens in when we are doing things or projects, but it's all mental. And I can definitely like say that this, that is a heavy component of my life that really it helps. Like I have to be careful because when the project gets so big, I eventually have to bring out stuff. Yeah. But many things, our brains have the capacity, like the way that it moves and the way things happen, that we can mentally like really create our own type of agenda in a way that like when we go to present something that we know exactly what we're going to say we know how to like communicate it all these things they kind of come together in our brain where we can do it I struggled in math because I never wrote it down like like I I could get the answers like I knew how to get to the answer but it was like we need to see how you got it I was like well come on the answer is what matters right yeah exactly and 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 I see myself being for example, if I have an original structure in my head that I want to follow, I can I can change it immediately. If my the person that I'm interviewing doesn't answer the question, for example, that I in, in a way that I want them to answer in order for them to fit point one, two, and three, not a problem. I do not get lost. And I don't know how it happens, but later on in the conversation, I'll bring them round again via another path so that they can give me the answer, so that the audience can get that answer. So the structure is fluid, but the end points always get delivered, but they never get to live, get delivered one, two, three, four, and five, you know, in that order. And I don't know, I don't know how to explain that. I, I really don't know how that works. You're speaking my language because like, this is exactly why I invited you on the show because you speak my language. That is exactly <laughs> what happens in my head and my brain. It's like, we will get to the point. I don't have like, you know, we're not going to go bullet point, bullet point, bullet point and get like in sequential necessarily, you know, unless you absolutely have to. But that is exactly how my brain works. It's like, we're going to get the point out. I mean, that's totally fine. Yeah. You know, we're just going to take a, we're going to explore our way to the goal. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You'll get there in the end, but it's just, you don't know how, 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 how that works out. However, part of my job are also some processed, strong tasks, if I could say it like that, within a team. So that means that we all have to really follow one, two, three, four, five, yeah. because yeah. Because if you miss a point or if you're not there and, you know, somebody else steps in, they need to know that you've done one and two already so that they can step in at point three. And what we have now is 
we've, we've written it down. One of the team has written these processes down. And for me, at the beginning, it was very frustrating. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> but, but, but Milton, I have learned my lesson that if you want to work in a team and if the task is processed, you have to follow the steps one to five. That doesn't mean that I don't have the 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 Word document open. It does. It means that I have the Word document. I, I can't get it in my head, but the Word document is open every time I read it, you know, step one, step two, step three, and I follow it. That I can't do in my head. I have to have the paper open. It's so crazy because you're in my head. You're living my life right now, just in a different country <laughs> and a different body because that is so true. Listen, as a seven, like we love our autonomy, you know, we, we love our, our, our versions of freedom of what we consider to be freedom, depending whether it's actually a trap or it's actually actual freedom. But anyway, we love those things. What's so interesting, even though our energy is light and people generally like our energy, working in teams and groups can actually be a struggle for sevens. I have seen this pattern in multiple sevens and in myself, you know? Yeah. I was like, oh my goodness. I I understand Enneagram, I understand these people, but working in this team right now, my sevenness is struggling, like literally. Totally, totally. So to hear you say that blows my mind and I love it so much because we do, we, we have our own idea of where we want to get to it. And there's an interesting, unique way of, that we flow but like you said, when working, especially any seven who's listening, when working with a team, we have to have some structure because everybody has a component to play. And our brain is sevens. Like you said, like inside of our brains, we get it, what's going on. But it's not always the easiest to communicate to someone else. Yes. And also, it's not always straightforward because yep. my brain would suddenly just point, you know, and go and ask a completely different question that for some of the people in the team, they're like, we're not, we're not there. You know, we're here. <laughs> you know, we're on this, you know, we're on point four. And I'm like, right. on point eight, A, B, B, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, no, come back, you know. And the challenge for me is to stop, you know, and right. it's, it's to not voice it to keep it in my brain or write it down so that when we get to point A, B, 1 or whatever, then I, I can mention it. But for the moment to stay with point four and that staying is challenging for me. Like I, I don't, I, I don't want to dwell on point four. I'm like, okay, let's go five already, you know, which is not always positive because sometimes by staying on point four, you find out about things that you haven't thought about, you know, maybe some glitches in, in the system or consequences. Whereas I'm like, oh, can we go to point five? I know, right? <laughs> yeah, like six, seven, eight, you know, because I've got something to say about the eight. You know, but the point eight. So, yeah. So are there any differences you've noticed in like when you learn Enneagram, not being like in America, but where you're from or any just experiences or different overlays that you see from your Enneagram experience? Well, the, the interesting thing is that, that I work in an in a international business school where I think the whole team is, I think we're 17 and we've got like 15 different nationalities. Wow. So even within the one team, you're working in a little, little mini world. You know, everybody comes from a different country. Everybody has a bit of a story like mine, you know, some mix and match of experiences or is married to somebody from another country. 
that's very for me that's that's very Swiss. I mean, you have the, the the traditional Swiss person who was born and bred here, but even a traditional Swiss person might have a Swiss German mother, a Swiss Italian father, and they live in a Swiss French part. So it's a bit wow. of a funny country, Switzerland in itself. And the Enneagram is not so big here. There is a, a little bit of activity in the Swiss German part because they attach to Germany and there's quite a big community in, in Germany. Whereas in the, in the French part, they attach to France, but there's very little going on here and if there is they come over from france you know they give a workshop and then they leave um, i haven't been able to find uh, a big you know a, a big strong presence here that's why the school that i that i started my course in is in south africa and what again what we're not supposed to do as uh as, as enneagrammers is you're not supposed to type people but again once you see <laughs> you know how can you yep. can't unsee so you start mm-hmm. saying oh you know that behavior reminds me very much of, <laughs> you know that they might lead from point you know x and and i have to say i again i shouldn't be saying this you know i probably won't get my certification if i do but i have tried to type my 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 office uh, my colleagues and some of them, some of them seem, seem to me that they, they show certain behaviors that really strongly remind you of a certain number. And that's despite the culture, you know, despite the fact right. that they, they speak a different language from me. We have a common English language. Sometimes, you know, with some colleagues, there's uh, the, the, the little group of Spaniards, there's, a, there's the Italians, there's the Swiss Germans, there's the French speakers. And then the common language is English. And then each one of them has their own mix of a story. But that doesn't matter. You know, you can spot a one like miles away. Especially <laughs> a clean one, you know. They're, they're Especially a seven. For a seven, certainly <laughs> you can spot them immediately. Or, you know, I have a very, very close friend who I suspect lead from eight. And, I, and I've been talking about it with her, you know, do you think about this? You know, what do you think about that? The eight says this and that. And so it, it's, I haven't typed her, just just right. the record. Can you please say, I haven't typed her, but we've been discussing the time. Right. And again, she has a completely different profile from, from mine, cultural and, and personal, also not from Switzerland. And um, it just resonated, you know, with the type, with the eight. And, and, and she's now exploring it on her own. So that's that's my experience. My experience that it, it transcends yeah. the country and the culture. It really is about the, the way your personality has been constructed or put together to react to certain situations outside. And and again, if you if you connect it to Sandra Maitri and you know the holy ideas, that is so beyond culture, country, you know, male, female. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so on. Very, very deep stuff. That series of Come Down the Line, Holy Ideas, that is some open the top of your head and just get ready for stuff to flow in because yeah. it is some rich, very rich stuff. So I have a question. What is your favorite part about being a self prayer seven? Oh, you should have sent me that one. This one I wish I had prepared now. <laughs> you put me on the spot. Well, well, what I can do so you can think a little while, I can speak about just a little bit about what you were talking about before, which is pretty incredible, which is how our type structures transcend our cultures. Even though we're impacted by our cultures, it still transcends them. 
there's still this amazing, I would say, union that we have with our type structures around the world, which is so interesting. Um, about two or three years ago, I met a type seven from Egypt. And this man had more energy. He had to be probably a sexual seven. He was not self-praised, I'm pretty sure. But he had so much energy and I could just resonate with that energy because I understand it at my at a core level. And yeah. so like you speaking on that, it is, makes it so amazing. I think it's one thing that connects us globally. Like we don't understand how connected we truly are as human beings. Yeah. And I think the Enneagram is such a powerful component of being able to connect us and just show us like how human we all are, no matter where you're from. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the demonstration of it, you know, the, the expression of it could be different. You know, I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to be stereotyping here, but perhaps the Egyptian person, you know, completely over the top, really super seven, you know, super outgoing, you know, hi everyone, you know, love everyone. You're right, though. Whereas perhaps, you know, another culture might be a little bit uh, more more tamed in their sevenness. But I, once, you know, a seven is a seven is a seven is always a seven, wherever that might be, I think. Um, so, so I'm trying to think while also listening to you was difficult. But I'm also thinking, you ask me, what's the thing that I like best about being a self-press? I don't, I don't so much resonate with the question, what do I like best? I can tell you what I don't like. Yeah, we're we're gonna talk about that next. That in a, in a minute. But what do you enjoy? What do you enjoy most about being? Well, Let I me. Think that I enjoy the nesting part. You know, the, okay. the sort of the being comfortable at home. Very lucky in this flat that I live. There's um, a fireplace, so that you know, being cozy with the blanket, as you were saying, in front of the fireplace when here it gets very cold in the winter. There's also a, a very strong wind that is called La Bise. Uh, that sometimes uh, blows in the winter and there's nothing you can do. The wind is so strong, it has a name to it? Oh, yeah, yeah, it has a name. It's called La Bise. La Bise. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It blows quite strongly, but it's not a gale wind. It's just a freezing wind. And it's just very, very cold when, when you're out. You know, even if you have hat, scarf, gloves, it just penetrates everywhere, certainly for a Southern Italian like me. Um, so the best thing is about, you know, going home and just thinking, oh, you know, it'll be snug in front of the fireplace tonight. You know, and I think that's the that's the self-presentness that I don't feel that the seven need or what people might think is a seven need to go out and party. I just dive deep into the, the coziness. The, the nesting part, uh, if you like. And, you know, and there's always either, I'm not a big fan of marshmallows. You know, I, I would assume that in America, fireplace equals marshmallows, but I always have some goodies <laughs> that we can eat in front of the, of the fireplace. So, yeah, I think that's what I would say, you know, the, the snuggling up part in my bed, you know, lots of cushions when I read, you know, just making it comfortable and cozy. I'd say that, that I enjoy about the self-presentness. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And and like you said, the coziness, the, I, I promise I probably have like eight pillows like on yeah. my bed and I use them. Not, I'm not decorative pillows. I don't need to decorate nothing. I'm talking about feeling good and comfortable. I was like, well, this one feels good and better today. I'll lay this way. Exactly. 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 Can I ask you, can I ask you, what do you like about yourself, President? Oh my goodness. Purely being self-prez, it was a question that Elizabeth Worm asked me on the 100th episode, like what comes easy? And it's like taking care of myself. Like it is yeah. easy to make sure I have what I need to take care of myself. 
I don't have to think about it twice. It's like I know what I need to do and I make sure it happens Yeah, all the time. So I love that about being self-present seven. And I have things I mentioned on the other podcast. I mean, I have a tea shop in my house. And by tea shop, I mean, for those who don't know what I'm saying, I have so many organic type of teas from around the world that can help with just about any ailment. I'm basically at a tea shop and like I almost have a convenience store because I have (laughs) backup stuff on backup stuff ready for when something else goes out that I can like get rid of. And then I was like, oh, I already got another bottle of this. or I got something this. So I love that always. I I don't really run out of stuff necessarily. Right. It's pretty rare. Yeah, I think that thinking about that, I think the self-presence as in the role of a mother of a parent right. i think i also like that part because for me it was i didn't get distracted i mean i used to tell my children look you know it's very basic what what i ask for you know what, what what's going to happen here sleep well eat well go outside everything everything else <laughs> is extra <laughs> you know yeah. and they they still you know they still make fun of me so so when they were little it really was it was that simple it's we eat on time we eat good food. You know, there's no snacking between meal times. No eating with hands. Like, like very, very simple stuff. We go to bed on time. We have our, you know, eight hours or whatever we need, and then we go outside for for fresh air and and you know playing. And and I think that really helped give helped give a structure to my parenting. Mm. When they were they were little, I, I worked very little, so it's very much at home and and the main carer. And I think that helped me not being distracted. You know, as a seven, I could have gone into burnout because just as the three rules apply to them, they apply to me as well. You know, at at the end of the day, after we had, uh, you know, eaten regularly and been out all afternoon, it was time to go to sleep. But it was time to go to sleep for me too. And I have three children. I have three boys. So it was time, you know, it was easy not to forget myself when as a parent and as a mother and as a main care it's so easy to do so it's it's for default you know you put everybody else forward and then you know it's like, well, what about me oh I want to go out oh I haven't done this I haven't done that where I whereas I didn't get distracted and I think I'm thankful I mean I see it as the self-pres coming in and so I'm grateful for that that I didn't burn out you know I didn't go overboard with, with activities or, you know, with projects or, you know, their stuff, my stuff, stuff, all three of them stuff, you know, and then what about my stuff? So, so yeah, I, I want to ask a question about the self-press because you mentioned before, you know, talking about things that, you know, you don't necessarily particularly like or that are difficult as being a seven. Let's start at this point. So our dominant subtype, our dominant instinct, it can be overactive, Right. And we can actually get some traits of it that are not healthy. So in your self-presence, what parts of it do you see that's a little bit unhealthy at times? Well, I think that that borderline stagnation in the cocoon, you know, is like it's so comfortable. Why leave? You know, why go out and, you know, meet new people, go and do things so that I see that where then the sexual is repressed, you know, that risk taking, that going out to new pastures, that um, exploring can get cut down. I know I have that because I know that instinct has served me in the past when, you know, when I first arrived in Switzerland, I didn't know anyone. It was that that fueled 
my going out, my joining clubs, my joining, you know, kids' activities, taking them, saying, good morning, bonjour, madame, bonjour, madame, you know, bonjour, monsieur, so that I could be seen and so that I, I could cultivate the, the, um, the connection to this new country, to this new city. So I know I have it. I know I have that sexual part, but self-preservation can also drag you down a little bit. In like, oh, I don't need to do that. Or, you know, it's so comfortable staying home. Or I only have my little five friends. You know, I don't need a sixth one and, and, and so forth. So I think it's important to, to heed the call when that little, you know, one-to-one sexual instinct comes in, knocks on the door and says, no, no, you do, you, you do really, you know, want to invite right. that person that <laughs> just ran over for coffee, you know. Do you do, you do really do, you know. Um, and I think and I think it was that part when I met my my partner, I think it was that instinct that that sort of pushed me out there and, and made me have that conversation or, you know, and invite him. I proposed that we meet again, you know, do you know what I mean? So I think it was, it really was my something inside that pushed me to say, reach out, you know, say, you know, propose the, ne- the next date. And, and I think with self-pres, it's so easy not to hear that voice. Great insight. Okay. Does your workplace stink because the culture sucks? Are you tired of tolerating people and wish you could all work together cohesively? Does going to work give you instant anxiety? If you say yes to any one of these, you should probably quit your job. But since you aren't going to quit your job, you should call Kaizen Careers. At Kaizen Careers, we are all about improving personal and workplace performance. We use a unique tool called the Enneagram. The Enneagram helps individuals and organizations become more self-aware. That self-awareness lends into helping organizations with communication, leadership, and conflict management, ultimately turning self-awareness into self-mastery and creating healthy workplace performance so you can improve your services and bottom line. You can reach Kaizen Careers at kaizencareers.com or 901-334-1644. What do you find most difficult about being a type 7 or something that you really work hard on? Well, again, I can tell you in, in, in close relationships, it's just so, you know, it always comes out right there. So the first time that we went on holiday, um, you know, our first holiday, I said one night, you know, just in case, you know, right. it's like, I'm not doing two nights because, you know, what if, what if I don't like it? Yeah, what if I'm constricted? Like, what's the, tra- you know, I always had my train timetable, you know, it's like, just in case, like, I was take the train back and we didn't go too far, you know, we just went to Basel, which is like two hours away. And, and then, you know, the next time it was two nights, you know, just in case, mm-hmm. had my t- train timetable, you know, just in case. So I'm laughing about it now, but when you're in it, there's that tension right. that that you know stops you from just relaxing and say, just go just go with it. you know give yourself over completely and for a while I always I always had this kind of exit like where's my exit mm-hmm. okay I can see it I can always take a train I can always bus it back or it's okay if you know I cut it short you know giving myself permission to say if you don't like it you can always leave. And even just that exercise of saying, if you don't like it, you can always leave, almost helped me stay. But it's a, but it was a, 
it was a learning, it was an exercise. It was a, also, again, with my partner who speaks the same Enneagram language, I was able to say, you know, I'm having a seven attack. I want to know, I want to know the train title. He goes, don't worry, honey, I've got one right here. It's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> you know. So, so speaking the same language in partnership is also helps because one of the other traits about seven is that sense of humor, I think. I am so grateful for that sense of humor that has diffused so many situations, even with my children. And it could be a look, you know, like a funny face. You know, you just look at them going, right? <laughs> and then it just like cuts the whole pressure mount, you know, mounting. And, and so speaking the same Enneagram language and using humor can, can really calm. Because one of the other things about seven is the anxiety, you know, that, that fear, that, that red, the, the red thread of fear and anxiety that comes in. I think I also have a very strong sixth wing and then self-pres as well. So I'm a very anxious person. Um, and, and you know, I, I might receive an email and even without opening it, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, tragedy. <laughs> and then you open it, it's like, oh, I'm moving your appointment from tomorrow at three to tomorrow at four. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, that was it. So the, the question was, um, I can't remember what was the question. What did you do? The seven, but the, yeah, what do you like least or what has been difficult yeah. for you? Yeah, so this this having to cope with always wanted, wanting to, to have a way out, like the limit, the limit that in a way it's also good because, you know, you're aware that, you know, you want that freedom, you you, you want to be in charge. So you always make sure that it's you who decides. So that's quite empowering in a way, but it's also quite restrictive because it becomes, you're putting me in a box, you can't do this, I need to leave now. And, it, and when we do that, we end up putting our own selves in a box. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Again, difficult to say, is it a stubbornness or is it my particular experiences? But this leaving, it's not always physical. It could be a shutting down. Ooh. You know, it could be like, I'm not speaking anymore. That's it. You know, I'm out. No, that's your sevenness. That I am that sevenness. <laughs> You're in there. You're in there. Listen, as easy as we can infuse energy into a place... Yeah, we can suck energy out of a place. Yeah, I'm gone. Like so, and and all I need is the tone of your voice, and I'm like, I'm not going there. Bye. <laughs> but I, my body, you know, will be still sitting on the chair, but I'm just not there with you. And and that I've also seen when uh, again the sevenness and and its avoidance of pain, for example, that for me is another version of this of this sort of leaving. A very simple example, after a whole year of my eldest being at home, you know, the, the, the pandemic, he recently, a couple of weeks ago, left to go back to university. He needs to finish his exams and then he'll come back here and then sort out the next chapter of his life. Um, but he had left already. You know, the, we'd already lived through the separation and him living abroad. But then he came back for a year and then there was that separating again for just one month. But it was still, it was still a little bit sad. Like Milton, you see, like I'm, you, like I'm yeah. not, I'm not going full on there. You know, it's just right. even, you know, a little bit is intense enough. But on that day, like he didn't exist for me. You know, like, I'm not going there. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, he's gone. And it was only later when, again, once you know, once you know your mechanisms, you'll you'll see it. You'll you'll see that you do it, and and you'll see once even afterwards. You know, you've seen you see later that you did it previously. And I saw how 
it was almost like a severing. He's gone. I, I don't speak to him. And I was like, well, come on, you know, send an SMS. You know, did you send a WhatsApp, whatever? Did you arrive safely? Or, you know, let me know when you arrived safely. And that was an effort. But it's not out of non-caring. It's because you don't want to live that, that sadness. You don't, want, you don't want to go through it. And I did go through it two days later. Right. <laughs> two days later, I spoke about it. And then tears came. And, you know, it's, it's, they were there on the, on, the, on the day he left. They just couldn't come out, you know. And I think, and, and I think maybe 10 years ago, they wouldn't have come out. And I, I, lo- I absolutely love that you brought this up because I think sometimes in relationships or people who have close people who are sevens, they may not understand this, what you just mentioned of like the avoidance of pain, usually uncomfortable emotional pain to a certain extent or something feeling trapping. But what happens inside of us a lot of times, it's not that we don't care or emotionally care. It's like we care actually a whole lot. Yeah. And it's really, it's really painful for us yeah. to be able to go to a place that is so painful for us and feels constricting to us and and overwhelming. Yes. So I mean what happens in my body is not pleasant. Right. And and you know, maybe for four, you know, they they can go up to level eight and it feels like they're living, you know, the intensity of the world. For me, I'm like, I'm freaking out at two. I know. <laughs> you know? Like, it's like what's going on here? That is way too much for me. <laughs> I just I love you express that because sometimes people don't understand. And obviously, as sevens, we have to do our work to go deeper inside. Right. Um, And touch those parts of us. But for people who, you know, are relationships with sevens to understand that, you know, they do definitely care. It's just in order to express that it takes a lot of work for us in order to deal. It takes a lot of work and we have to go towards a whole bunch of stuff that's hard to deal with, especially sadness, because there's so much love. There's so much connection and love and there's happiness, but there's also sadness in it, right? Yeah. And that is painful. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, you, say, you said have to do a lot of work, but also the people around us have to be certain people. You know, the, the tears that came out two days later were, were with somebody that I, I knew I could allow that to come out. And that's not everyone. You know, not, not with everyone can I can I allow that sadness, or allow myself to feel it, to show it, and to be okay with it. That that takes a long-standing, you know, strong relationship before I could do that. So for me, that that's another misconception for sevens is, is that you know you're you're everybody's friend. I I don't think I mean I don't think you know I think maybe only four people know me. <laughs> I know millions, you know, I know the whole town. I, and that's also a self-press thing because, because I, I've met so many people. I can go to any event. And Lausanne is a very small town. It's, it's about 146,000 people. So you can go to an event and it's never immensely crowded. But it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll always know somebody, you know, I'll always yep. recognize a face. So, but that doesn't mean that they know me. And, you know, that there's, there's, very, very few people that I show myself to. And that, I think, is also a misconception of sevens, that we have no depth and we have no, we don't have long-lasting, how can I say, like, built that relationships that build. Because you always, you're, you, we always get seen as butterflies, you know. You see one and then another one and another one. But with a few people, you, you, you go deeper and deeper and you let that trust build and develop and 
pile up and then you show yourself like a little, 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 little bit of this, a little bit of that. But but a lot of people don't see that part of, of the seven. Yeah. So like you mentioned something so important. We're talking about head types and because we're head types, we deal all with trust. Like, yeah, we know sixes have a trust thing going on, but sevens actually really do too. It it just comes across very differently because like you said, many times sevens will have a lot of people in their social network, I would say, right? Say for instance, you know, you're on Facebook or something, you got like tons of people who are considered quote unquote friends or followers on there or whatever. But in actuality, don't none of them people know us except for very, very, very few. I mean, the circle is really small compared to the number of people who like, oh, I know them really, really well. It's like, mm, no. Yeah. And Milton, you were saying about the, the transcontinentality, you know, the, the globality of this. When I was doing the course and I was on a seven panel and there were these two people from a completely different country, completely different life experiences from South Africa with all their apartheid baggage, with, you know, they're all complicated histories. When we talked seven, we were talking the same language. This thing about trust, both of them were like, yeah, yeah, so get you, so get you. So for me, there is something about um, the universality of of the system, you know, the Enneagram system that that applies cross-culture, cross-continent, you know, uh, on a much wider scale. And I think one of the beauties, and we're going to get into, I'm actually a couple of questions about some of the work, the inner work you do and things that have helped you. But I think some of the the beauty of learning these things is that when we have a hard time trusting other people in different instances, that means we have a hard time also trusting parts of ourselves, too. Yeah. And that becomes that part. It's like, oh, now I got to look inside. I don't trust that many people or these like, oh, what inside do I am I not trusting? Right. Yeah. And I I think for us, it's definitely around the emotions. (laughs) It's definitely like. And and I think heart as well. You know, the. Oh, yeah. The hard stuff for me, I remember, again, that, that's why I'm, I'm very partial to this city as well, because I think having put roots down has allowed the self-preservation to relax, you know? So I didn't have to, you know, I, at some point, I could just go a little bit beyond. And I started yoga. And, and again, uh, at the beginning, you know, maybe that was maybe 12, 15 years ago. And there were a couple of postures that, were heart opening, couldn't do them, hated them, like vociferously expressing myself. I hate this posture, you know, yoga teacher, can we do another one? You know, can you give me another one? Can you give me an alternative? Really, really didn't like it. And I think what you were saying is that the trust, you were saying we don't trust others, there's parts of us that we don't trust. I think also because you, you don't, <clears throat> you don't allow yourself to know your inside to the depth that the inside, the, to the potential depth that the inside has. You you go level two, you know, you, you don't, because three is already like so scary, man, you know? Um, so if you don't know two, three, four, five, six, and all the rest of it, how can you trust yourself? Right. Either there's parts of it that you can't see, you don't know how you're going to react. You don't know that perhaps, you know, that's a, an inner voice or an inner message, or that's just, the, you know, the, the how, how you react to a certain situation. And I think that's how I see the two things tied that, you know, with, with not willing to go too deep and thus not willing to know yourself and thus leaving zones that are untapped, you're untapping your own resource center. You know, you're, you're not tapping it to, the, to its full potential. 
Yeah, and I think you mentioned something that was so important, making a distinction between the heart and the emotions, the heart area, because the emotions are one thing that we feel on the inside, but the heart area, which it has some overlap with emotions, no doubt, but the heart area in general, and I don't have enough time on an episode. I have to do that on a whole separate episode to explain that, but it's about deep connection, right? And so it's a deep connection with other people, but also a deep connection with ourselves. And like you're saying, not being able to do that pose and yoga, those different ones that were heart opening, it's because as sevens, generally, we haven't, you know, it takes us time to really go down and be like, what is this? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, woo. And it it does transform and make your body feel totally different. It's like, whoa, this is really, it's a new space. It's really like, you feel like a novice. It's like. Yeah, yeah. And I do think that it does help having the environment to help. It's like a seven needs needs somebody to hold their hand. And again, an example that on, on 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 the course that we would we did, it was via Zoom. So you know, it is what it is. However, however, at some point we did a panel and we closed each panel with a song. You know, we did a, the number, we did the panel. You know, we did the theory, we did the song. And at one point they played a song that was from a local artist who was uh, singing in Afrikaans. So don't understand a word. You know, they explained it a little bit, but then of course, you know, you don't, you know, I get, I, I got a couple of words that they had translated and then they put the song on. And then of course, you know, I couldn't remember what they said that the song was about. So I just listened to the song. And remember, this is via Zoom. And the singer is actually one of the other students in, in the in the course. And, and they showed the video of him that he had recorded singing. Melton, I just bawled my eyes out like mm. bawling and bawling and bawling and th- this this like the beauty of the song or I don't know what it was I couldn't understand the words you know and it, right. I have to say it wasn't you know it was, it was kind of an 80s kind of song it wasn't you know it wasn't a symphony or anything but the effect that it had but had I not been in that group had I not been also in the safety of my room behind the screen you know right Again, maybe it's different in, in live, but I, I think the, the fact that I I knew that it was okay to show the others my emotion. I knew that it was okay. I was safely in my room behind a screen. And I let it all out. And it was it was amazing, but it was not pleasant. <laughs> I did not like, you know, the pressure in my head, the eyes, you know, the, the tears coming down, the thing that it does into your stomach, <laughs> you know, it was not a nice experience and, and I don't enjoy it. You know, I, it, I don't thrive, but it was beautiful. You know, I, right. there's this, you know, there's this, this <laughs> dichotomy as well. I mean, it was, I saw that I connected that, that for me, I, I thought about this because it was uh, building on what you said about the heart connection. I really felt I could connect to this other student through the, his song, although I didn't understand anything. And so it was a pure love connection. Never met this guy, never seen him in person. But I don't think it comes naturally to a seven, like it might come to another heart type maybe, you know, where, where they live that, they live for that almost. I allowed myself to live that and I'm glad, you know, it it, it was a beautiful experience, but it wasn't nice. You know, it wasn't. Yeah, I agree. We had to give ourselves permission to cry and to allow other people to, to happen in a space where other people can see it. I know coming to that realization, I don't remember exactly when, but I just remember being like, it's okay. You have tear ducts for a reason. 
it's it's fine. You're not less than if you cry. It's not a weakness. You know, you're moved right now, and that's okay. Yeah. And I, I yeah. remember talking to myself mentally, like, it's okay. Like literally, you know, it's like it's okay. It's like oh, I guess I can. All right. Yeah, yeah. And learning to be okay with that. Ooh. Yeah. For me, it's also that connection with the body. Um, again, being a head type, it's, you know, what happens to your body is okay. It'll, it'll leave, you know, at some point, you know, the, the, the pressure in your head will go away. The funny things in your stomach will go away. You know, the, the fact that you're tired after having cried will go away. I think there's that pain element as well. It's, it's, it's painful, you know, it's bodily painful to live an emotion. And I think as a seven, you don't necessarily go towards pain willingly. <laughs> you know, it's not something that you choose. Not emotional pain. Yeah. Not physical. I, I mean, I ran track. And so when I first read the Enneagram, I was like, oh, please, I go towards pain. Yeah. No, I don't. Not not not, <laughs> not real deep emotional. Mm, I don't run towards it. No. No, no. You know, I'm, I'm working on that. You know, I'm in, I'm in a space where... I recognize it way more and I'm able to sit with it a little bit more, but it is not, it is so far from easy. It's ridiculous, you know? Like, <laughs> And also there's, there's so much, I don't know about you, but so much anticipation, you know, I know that it's going to be painful when, you know, my son leaves, you know, so I stop preparing myself. I will feel this. I will feel that, you know, and you start living it out in your head. Yes. It's you. You're like, well, I don't have to live it. I don't have to live the real thing. And that's a challenge, you know, we were saying, you know, what, what the, the challenge is, is to stop making your scenarios, or even if you have to make your scenarios that you can't stop yourself, or you need it to reassure yourself, then when the thing happens, let it hit you at the, at the depth that it will hit you. Try to be present in that moment. Exactly. Even if you've had it in your head and you've prepared yourself and you knew what's going to happen, you knew you were going to have some tears or, you know, you, you were going to cry for the whole afternoon, then cry for the whole afternoon, you know, not just 20 minutes. Exactly. Breathe through the tears, as a teacher told me one time when yeah. I told her about Max. But she was like, I need you to breathe through the tears. Because I was like, they came to my eyes. She was like, no, I need you to breathe through them and let them roll. I was like, oh, okay. That sounds fun. Not. Uh <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I have a question. What has been most helpful to you on your Enneagram growth journey? Well, I have to say, since discovering, and, and this is I, I, this is true, I'm not saying it because I'm on the podcast, but discovering you and the art of growth, these two podcasts have really kind of set the tone to how I've been growing with the Enneagram. Because books are books, do you know what I mean? Like you, yeah, you know, I've, I've got my my you know, I've got the greats, you know, the, 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 the must-haves. And, you know, I'll, I'll go in and out. But without having a community in, in, in town, then then it just, it's a little bit flat. You know, it, then it becomes theoretical. And I think the Enneagram isn't a, a theoretical. It has theory, but it's about, you know, the, the people, and especially the, from the narrative tradition where it's really about listening to the others because they tell you what it's like. You know, they tell you what, what living from that number means. Um, so the panels really have helped, um, you know, that have, have, have made it come alive. And, and the podcast, you know, podcasts, I, I've looked around also for different podcasts. And then, and then it becomes then 27-ish, you know, like I've got 100 podcasts, you know, like 55 right. podcasts. I'm like, no, stick with the two, you know, and and follow them. Like, where did they go? Who did they connect with? Um, that has helped seeing the Enneagram in action rather than just in a book. 
Um, yes, I can play around trying to type people, you know, sure, but that's not it. So really podcast has helped having a partner that has a common language and a common interest. That has also helped. Um, a couple of our friends as well are, are into it and, and they master, you know, they, 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 they master the main principles. So you, you can still, you know, you can play around with them as well. And so that has helped as well. What else? I don't know. I think also the Enneagram does the, the work itself. Like I was saying at the beginning, once you're in, you, you, you can never leave. You know, you, you, once, once you see, you cannot unsee. So everything helps. You know, you hear somebody say something and you think, ah, you know, and then a piece fits in. And, and I, I tell you what this is telling me about. What does help is help listen. That's also a thing that sevens don't do very much of. They don't listen so much because they're so busy speaking. And I think the Enneagram has taught me to listen um, because people, when they speak, they're telling you, they're giving you the clues, you know, they're giving you the, the clues to where they lead from. And, and so once you, once you start with the Enneagram, you just start listening to people. And then you go even beyond the Enneagram. Then it doesn't really matter if they're a five or a six or a wing, you know, a, a three wing or five wing, who cares? listen to them they're telling you about themselves and so so i think that's i would call another piece in in, in maturity in, in kind of maturing you know in, in getting in the process of maturing the enneagram has given me another piece i wanted to add some because it just came up for me as you were speaking talking about um how the enneagram just stays with us and along the piece of like as a seven and emotions. This past weekend, I was at a virtual vow re- re- renewal. Dr. Egerton had her vow renewal uh, with her husband. And he said these words, which were like most, the best vows I've ever heard, like the best little statement I've ever heard in a vow. He says, I vow to continue to do my inner work. So I was like, oh, Oh my, that was like the best line that I've ever heard in a vow. I know some people didn't get it who were there because, you know, they don't know Enneagram language and stuff. But that is the most powerful to me statement someone can make like in a relationship. It's like, I vow to keep doing my inner work. So I'm my best for you and myself. Yeah, yeah. I read somewhere one of these memes that go around was, I will take care of me for you and you take care of you for me instead of I take care of you and you take care of me and I thought that was a wonderful way of stating that love and that care that I do have for you but it starts with taking care of myself first so that I am your best self for you oh yeah because I can go into that for quite a while but I'm not going to uh what advice would you give someone in like a type seven structure that would help guide them say for instance they were you five years ago um what is some advice you would give them to help kind of guide them along the path so the first thing that everybody says, you know, is meditation, quiet, and da, da. it's really difficult as a seven to sit quietly for, you know, 20 minutes. And that's minimum. For me, for example, what has helped has been these daily bike rides. So it's a movement. You're outside. You know, there's beauty out there. Sometimes I'm with a friend. Sometimes I'm not. And that for me is that form of, of coming back to earth. 
you know, while you're biking, you have to be present because, you know, there could be a pebble and you can fall over, or, you know, there'd be a stick on the road or, or a dog, you know, the, in the, early in the morning, a lot of people walking their dogs with, without the leash. And so suddenly the dog could go towards you. So you have to keep your senses present. And I think that helps a, a lot of sevens coming back down to the body, to what is happening in the moment, to um, to your senses as well, because we can so go into our heads. And sometimes I think that going into our head is such a, it's almost a self-preservation thing in itself. It's so beautiful. You know, one of the things that I love doing when I when I, when I finish the day and I, and I go to bed, it's like, oh, I'm going to go into my head. I'm going to think all these things that I haven't thought about during the day. So so anything, any activity, again, as a seven, I, I think activities is, is, is where it's at. But an activity that, that gets you in it, you know, playing an instrument or, you know, going biking, going running, something, something like that. And, and if it could be on your own, even better, you know, if it's a, you know, solo playing or solo riding, you know, then, then that's, that, that's what I would, would have told myself five years ago, uh, six, five, six years ago. You know, if I, if I had really carved out those moments in movement, instead of putting pressure on you, you should be meditating. You can't meditate. You know, you're always, a, it doesn't matter. You can meditate on your bike and it's the same effect. And then use that meditation prompt throughout the day, you know, come back, you know, because often we're the best multitaskers. You know, I, I can, in the kitchen, for example, oh my God, you know, I could be preparing three meals at the same time while, it, while you know, boiling the water for something else while I'm chopping this. And then, you know, oh, oh yeah, I just opened the fridge and I remember that tomorrow I have to prepare a meal, so I'll get that out. So that it's out there. you know, just like one thing at a time, you know, come back and then, you know, you can still do the lunch for tomorrow, you know, put the vegetable there, and then, but you'll do it afterwards. You don't have to cut it all the while the water is boiling and the sauce is simmering. And, you know, you've just put the pan so that you can cook the pasta in. So I, I think that that prompt to try and reduce the amount of, of things that you do at the same time and use it as a skill. You know, you use it as a, as a thing that, that you revert to if you absolutely have to. But there's so many times that you don't really, you just do it because you can. So I think that's what I would tell myself. And then the last thing is is perhaps speak less. I know this has all been about me speaking <laughs> the whole time, but I wish I told myself that um, a few years ago. It, it's almost, sometimes I feel that as a seven, my brain comes online when my mouth goes. You know, it's like my mouth comes in first and then the brain comes online, you know? And my idea takes shape when it's said, not before it's said. And, and I've seen the frustration in, in, in the people I work with when, when I used to do that tremendously. I mean, I still do it, but I do it so much less. I'm like, write it down or, you know, don't say it or, or, or really literally just don't say it. You know, what, hap what would happen if you just didn't say it? You know, it, maybe you said it later or maybe there's no need. Maybe if you don't say it, somebody else will say it. So that, that allowing also for some silence and, and for other people, you know, not take over too much. I think these are things that I would say. But Milton, just to reassure people, it's not done in a, in a wanting to put other people down. It's that, in, that fuel, you know, that, that oh, I'm so excited. I've got this idea and I want you to tell it and, and you know, tone it down. 
tone it down. You know, maybe it's not that great that idea. You know, think about it, develop it first, and then maybe you want to share it. So allow for that time, that like that space in between. It's kind of like we have a great recipe and we started cooking, to use your analogy, like something that we bake, but we didn't fully bake it before we pulled it out. I was like, look what I'm making. And they're like, what is that? It's, you know, it's it's going to be great. And they're like, I, I don't know what this is. It's half baked. They're like, ah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Sitting on yeah. it and, and, and actually, I, I love everything you just said, because those are definitely things that I know well and true. Uh, and <laughs> has been a part of my journey, no doubt. <laughs> and just me and you, Milton, I mean, how, how different are we? And we, we're still connecting on, on this stuff. Like, this is going to be a podcast, but I can see you now and you're nodding at everything I say, but our backgrounds are so way yeah. different. Yeah. So, so different, but we internally, our type seven, we, oh my goodness, the stuff you say sometimes, I was like, she lives my life, like <laughs> just in a different country in a different body that she lives my life. Yeah. So I'm super excited. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful, thankful and honored for you to be on here. And I loved how I think if people really listen to the episode, because this might end up being two episodes, like they really hear how like we, we start really excited. Then we get closer and closer to our heart as we speak to people. Like yeah. the longer we speak to them, you know, if we trust them mentally a little bit more, you know, we, we speak more. So and I love how you did that throughout this episode. There were these beautiful things that we talked about. And then you drove down even closer to the heart and you showed a little bit. And that was absolutely incredible and beautiful. I think it also speaks for you. I mean, I feel very comfortable. I feel that I can trust you. You speak my language. I've told things on this podcast that I that I don't normally share. And I think I think I've also done it as an experiment. You know, it's like what 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 happens if I open up a little bit more? What happens if I tell somebody that I've met only twice? Um things that I would normally just keep hidden. Um and and it feels okay. You know, it, it, it was a little bit scary. Maybe that's the sexual instinct coming in. Yeah, come on, come on, you could do this. You know, <laughs> share yourself, broadcasting, broadcasting, you know. So, yeah, so I think once you see the Enneagram in action, I think the Enneagram does also does its magic. You know, it, it allows you to to blossom slowly a little bit because you know that it's okay. You know, you know that, you, you, I don't know if, if you gain confidence, but... I, I, I don't know if I would say it in those terms, but like you become a little bit more daring, you know, yep. um, see what happens and it's okay. I totally agree with that. And thank you for that. I'm glad, you know, you felt that you were able to express that, which is awesome, which is also, a, it's a testament to the inner work you're doing. That That's the thing too. You, you don't get to a point where you're like, I'll take this little, you know, inner risk real quick and see what happens, you know? Yeah. But yeah, that that was... Just hearing you you say those things, I think was pretty incredible to hear you do that and be able to share where you've shared from today. But also with the Enneagram, I just thought about this. At the end of last year, I was looking for some course, you know, some something, anything that would get me to learn a little bit more about the Enneagram. So I looked around here, I looked in different countries, then it was COVID, you know, and then I couldn't do the whole case. So I do, in, in the States, there's plenty, plenty of stuff, but the time zone, and again, as a self-press, I mean, Milton, it's 10 o'clock here. This is way past my bedtime, you know, oh. <laughs> but my seven, but my seven, right. 
by seven, he's like, no, this is too exciting. Come on, you can do this. You can do this. Tomorrow, it's okay. It's okay. You know, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll put the alarm clock uh, a little bit. By the way, self-press, you, you do not put the alarm clock because that's the limit. You know, like I, uh, I, I naturally get up at the mm-hmm. same time because if I had the alarm, that'd be too much pressure. But I still get up early, you know. Anyway, so uh, back to the story was, so I was looking here and looking there. And then I, I found one course in the States that, could have worked with a timetable, but it it didn't feel, you know, nah, it didn't, nah. And then, and then I, at the same time, I was um, trying to get support for the course at work because it was time, it was my turn. And the team, we always have, um, you know, you can ask for 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 extra uh, education or you know courses and stuff. So it came to be my turn. So it's like, can I get this? Can I get that? You know, what can I do? And then just without. Again, I can only explain it as the holy plan. I end up finding the one in South Africa, which I immediately signed up to because it was an intro weekend. Immediately love it. <laughs> and then the next day, the next day of work or the day before, or the, the, the couple of days afterwards, my hands, I swear to you, it was my hands who write the email, two-part email to my line manager saying, this is the course and this is how it could help me at work. And then the second email, um, more details. You know, if you need, here are more details. Normally, you know how, you know, you write an email, then you sit on it, then you think, you know, then you maybe change the structure. Nothing. I showed it to a colleague. She was like, perfect. You know, this says exactly what you need to say. So I send it. Eventually, you know, it goes to HR, you know, in the system. In the meantime, I've already booked in my work calendar, my personal calendar, all the dates, you know, just in case. I didn't think about it. It wasn't, it wasn't like I wasn't doing, it was my hands were doing it. Right. You know, my hands were, were, were blocking my agenda. And then eventually my line manager said, yes, you know, the course has been accepted. And of course, my, you know, my agenda was already full. I'd already changed the date of an event that I had, that I had, you know, that could have fallen into the Enneagram weekend, which right. but I postponed into another weekend. But again, it was that feeling of, I didn't do it. It got done. Like you said, the first question is, how did the Enneagram find me? That's how it found me. It doesn't feel like I orchestrated that I made this happen. You know, you some didn't. people say, yeah, great. You know, it was your enthusiasm. It was your initiative. It was, you know, yes. I, I obviously, you know, obviously I, I Googled all the schools and I, you know, I found all the courses, but the beauty when you start listening is that you hear these moments of things just planning out, you know, and it just, they happen by, you know, when it's the right time and then tuck, 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 everything just falls into place one thing after the other. You keep saying incredible things and I don't know if, People understand. I know sevens do. Like there's a part of us that wants to plan everything out to go have fun and be exciting. But there's when we start doing our inner work and how the Enneagram works, what you were speaking on is a deep component of the holy plan and how like you you can't really explain it with words because it is more of an experience than like something I can just say, oh, this is what happened. And so I love that because it's, it's hard to speak to, but it is an experience that like, Things are unfolding, like you said, and falling into place without me having to put all this crazy effort into trying to make things happen. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And and 
I wouldn't know how to do it again. Do you know what I mean? Like because you can't do it. Yeah, you can't. You, it just happens. It just but, happens, and it yeah. was the same. And it was the same when when I separated. It was you know you knew things were going were not going right. That, you know there were problems, but you think yeah, but then no, but da 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 da. So you drag it on a little bit more, another month, another year, and then the hand picked up the phone, you know, and called the lawyer and said, "No, we have we need to do something here." But the hand did it. It wasn't me. Right. You know, and, and then things started falling into place again. So it's I think these were the, the two big occasions where I really felt that it it is done, you know, it will be done. Yeah. A deeper intelligence. Yeah, exactly. Much deeper intelligence than we normally would associate with ourselves and doing stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um I'm a international Enneagram Association global board member now. Well, congratulations. Is that new? <laughs> Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and so I, I'm going to look and see what affiliate chapters they have, because we they have them around the world, but see if any are some that you may want to be a part of that are in, in the international area. Because there are some, I'm just, I'm new, so I'm yeah, learning yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. if there are some, I want to be able to send them to you so that you can take a look at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know there is there is some activity very little in Italy, some activity in Spain, mm-hmm. a bit in France, some in Germany. But again, I'm I'm also new to, to scouting the, the countries around. I know there's some in England. One of the courses that I looked at would have been going to England because there's a little, they're like pods, you know, they're like little hubs, right. like little Enneagram hubs around the world. But I don't know that territory well. So absolutely, I would, I would appreciate that. Awesome. 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 All right. Well, can I ask you? Can I ask you a question? Go ahead. Yeah. So, so what has the Enneagram sort of done for you? Like, how has that affected your life? Like, what has changed, and how, <laughs> how is it? How is it? You know, everything. Yeah, opened a new world for you. I mean, literally everything you just said. Like, my career is based around the Enneagram, right? Mm-hmm. I have a podcast. I have a business. I coach. I consult. I facilitate all around the Enneagram, like as a career, but larger than a career, like it has transformed my life in so many ways. Like the the inner work that I've been able to do to heal myself uh, in a lot of different ways and to notice what's going on, monumental, monumental shifts that I couldn't even explain fully in words. Like when we were talking before, uh, some of the different parts that it has helped me to develop. It has helped in relationships with other people. It has helped in the connection with myself. It has helped with getting in contact with the the truth about all the components of myself compared to the narrative like I created in the past. You know, everyone mm. has our, these different narratives to help us get through life, you know, or we construct it based on our personality type. But to be able to deconstruct those narratives and then be okay with more alone the lines like, oh, no, you're just scared. That's just fear. Yeah. Oh, that right there? Oh, that's actually fear. It's like, oh, yeah. dang, it is fear in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those things have really transformed my whole life. So it, it is, there's not a component of my life that has not been touched by this. Every single ounce of my growth and my work has been touched by the Enneagram in some way. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, that's how I'm able to connect to my heart and, and like really, oh, get to really know people and really know myself. Like 
and be okay with emotions. Um, yeah, like these things, yeah. I could talk about it for a long time, but yeah. we, we had to talk about that offline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm also discovering that there are loads of emotions, you know, more than just joy and sadness. You know? Oh, there's so many. Yeah, and fear, yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness, you alluded to the sensations in the body earlier. You were talking about some examples, but being able to recognize them specifically where they are and then kind of knowing how to kind of unravel them yeah, and listen to them and see what intelligence or what it's trying to tell you. And oh my goodness, that, that stuff will just break you down, but it's healing. One example that, that also comes up and I, I'll stop after this one because I know we could go on forever being two seven. We really could. Um, one of the things that I've learned as well is that when a situation happens and then you get that rush of emotion that you don't want to feel. And, and, and then my default would be to shut down. Now what I've learned is to put words to it and say to the person that you're with, you know, the context that you're in saying, something is happening to me. I don't know yet what it is. I need some time. And this is what I'm saying also the importance of having a good people around you, trustworthy people, because they can wait. You know, my partner, the worst that he's waited would go almost a week, <laughs> you know, like four <laughs> or five days. It's like, I still can't tell you, no, don't know what's happening. I'm still, you know, it's like, a, it's like a minestrone, you know, you can't tell the carrot from the zucchini, from the leek, you know, from the whatever. And I need some time to pick them. And right. what I've learned is that if the other person is okay, you know, if, if the, the space is, is safe, you can say, I need to think about it. They leave you alone. They don't take it personally. You then go away. You, you separate your carrots from the zucchinis, from the aubergines and from the leeks and from the have you. Then you come back and then you tell them, okay, this is the carrot, you know, this is the zucchinis and so on. And, and I think that has in itself, that ability to communicate, leave, come, you do your homework and come back. You know, I'm in the twilight. I, I was in the twilight zone almost. Right. Now I'm in a, I'm in a new dimension when, when, when you're able to do that. You live your relationships, whether it's with your children, with your neighbors, with your coworkers, in a completely different way. Ooh, yeah. We will, we will end on that. That was, uh, you're just phenomenal. Thank you. It was really fun. It was really fun. So like literally speaking the same language across continent, across times. I love this new, you know, Zoom thing or whatever platform we're using um, that allows for, for, for this connection. That sort of thank you pandemic. Yes, yeah, that that has been a gift from it, and that's seven. We can turn, we can glass half full anything, but it's true at the same time, right? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, lovely. Yeah, so just wrapping it up. If if you do want people to reach you, how would they reach you if you want them to? Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know if it's okay to share an email address or LinkedIn profile. I mean, Marcella. Yeah, my name is Marcella Rispo, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, and then from there, you know, just a little message and then maybe we can take the conversation further. Absolutely would love to connect with other Enneagram mad people. Um, sevens or not, it doesn't really matter, but sort of common language people. 
Awesome, awesome, awesome. That'll be in the show notes. So everyone, if you do want to connect with Martella, you can go there, send her a note in LinkedIn and just have an amazing conversation like we've been having eventually. And so just wrapping up, just a few things. The IEA Global Conference is coming up. I will be speaking on the discovery track, talking about head types, like what we were just talking about, five, six, and seven. I'll be doing it with the amazing Jerry Wagner. And so that's international. And it's going to be in the show notes. So you can join that as well. Or you can check it out on my website, Kaiser careers.com. You can get a discount code, Discovery4. Yes, that's a really good book. They can't see it, but she just put up one of the coolest books, um, Enneagram books, The Nine Lenses of the World by Jerry Wagner. It is deep and it is really rich and I really love the book. And also on top of that, the Kaizen Complete Enneagram program, which starts August 5th. It's a 12-week program that I teach and facilitate the Enneagram. Uh, and we learn in communities uh, with each other. We only have 14 slots left open. If you are interested, you can go to the show notes here. It's going to be kaizenacademythinkific.com. You can go there and uh, actually sign up and become one of the few that will be in that group uh, because we go deep and it's community-based and it's fun, but it's rich and it has a lot of amazing content with it. Uh, Besides that, uh, I just want to thank you all for listening. So if you feel yourself getting triggered by something, take a deep breath, make a smart choice and do it for the gram, the Enneagram, of course, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Do It For The Gram podcast editing and mixing is done by Saw and Sign. Information will be in the show notes.